Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Creative Podcast. We are back with another best of episode, and we're going to revisit the How to Create Great Content episode with Haley Dale from Your Content Empire. Listen in and enjoy, and definitely let us know over on Instagram if you enjoyed this episode. And if you're re-listening, what other new takeaways did you have? Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Listen in as we connect with other creative entrepreneurs and have real conversations about life, business, and everything in between. Owning a creative business doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming, and you don't have to go at it alone. It's absolutely possible to be successful as a modern creative, and we want to help you to go after your own creative dreams. Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Today we'll be chatting all things content. Content creation is on the front of mind for a lot of product and service providers, including myself. So I'm really excited to dive into this episode. Before we get started, please be sure to leave us a review or post a screenshot of you tuning into our podcast today. Now let's get started. So like Diana mentioned, guys, we do have a guest with us today and it is Haley. Haley is the founder and chief content officer at Your Content Empire, which is a community and content hub for small business owners like yourself, like whoever's listening, to be able to learn about content marketing. Welcome, Haley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here today talking with you guys about one of my favorite topics, uh, which is content. Like Diana said, Everyone's excited. We're excited. We know our listeners are excited and we know they're excited because we understand that content creation, you know, it can sound really big. It can sound really scary sometimes for creatives. I think that creatives can feel maybe it's not fun or they don't know what to say or they're not the expert. I think that's a huge thing. They feel like they're not an expert. So who's going to read or watch or listen to what they have to say, right? So if someone is listening to us right now and anything that I just said resonates with them, what do you think is the very first thing they should do when it comes to creating content? Yeah, so I think the first thing anyone should do who's feeling a lot of pressure when it comes to content is to ease up on that pressure and allow themselves to experiment and play a little bit. Content plays such a role in not just growing our business, not just helping us connect with our audiences, but also if they're feeling like, and I get this a lot from people saying that they don't feel like they're an expert enough to start sharing content or creating content around their topic. So I think that content plays such an integral role in our expertise development. Um, And even if we're not so much of the expert when we start, there is some power in inviting people to come along and learn with us and creating and documenting our journey and doing that. So I think the more that you can ease off the pressure of needing to have all the answers, needing to have everything perfect and needing to be so much of an expert, if you can step into that role of I'm just going to share what I know, I'm just going to share my journey and make it about who you're serving, right? So if you can just simply answer questions and be of service with your content, that's all you need to do. That's all you need to show up and do. There's no need to get it right or do it perfect. Nobody is doing it perfect. I love that you mention. okay, you're feeling like you're not an expert, but how do you become an expert? And it's actually by creating content. So Mm -hmm. it all starts right there. So where are some places where someone that is just starting with, you know, publishing content out there on whatever medium, like where can they brainstorm some things? Where can they get ideas? How will they know that what they create will resonate with their audience? 
Yeah. So I think it goes back to that point of being of service. So can you find questions to answer around the area that you're an expert in or the area that you want to be an expert in if you're in more of the development stage? So I think it's a matter of talking to people, you know, getting on coffee chats with people, joining Facebook groups, having conversations and answering as many questions as you can. And then if you find yourself answering questions that are being asked a lot, that is the perfect hint to you that that is something to create a post around or create something a little bit of a media or content than maybe just your answer. I think if you are a beginner in content, one of the best tools that you can do for yourself in just starting to set yourself up for success when it comes to content and having these conversations is to set up a bit of a content bank. So mine is in Trello, where it is like anytime I'm creating a piece of content, anytime I have my blog posts in there, I have videos that I've done. I have newsletters, but beyond that, I have, if I find myself answering a question in a Facebook group with a bit of a meatier answer, I will save that as well because you will find so many opportunities to take that little seed, take that response that you gave to someone on Instagram or in a Facebook group and turn it into something bigger without needing to start from scratch. I wish I had done that when I first started out in this business five years ago with that uh, because I'm sure I lost a lot of gems. So, um... I love the idea of a content bank because it just allows you to pull, right? And you can just keep adding to things and you don't ever have to use it, but at least it's there might spark an idea like, I don't know, months from now even, right? And it's there. Sometimes I do that when I know like a holiday is coming up, but it's not necessarily applicable right now. I'm sorry. That's my dog, Riley. You're not editing that out. Hi, Riley. But yeah, I actually have a notes section in my phone that I write all of my ideas on. So smart. Yeah, track that inspiration because it sucks when you lose it, right? So you mentioned Trello and I'm going to geek. I love systems and I love platforms like this and whatnot. So how can you take us a little bit through your process of adding to your content bank in Trello before we dive more into like strategy? Yeah. So um, full confession here. I'm a total Asana girl. But I find that Trello is way better for storing information and creating banks around it. Um, So we use it for things like swipe copy and opt-in pages and Facebook ad copy that we find. But one of the other tools that we use it for for storing information is our content bank. So anytime we create a new piece of content, we just basically have a row. Is that what they call it? Like the column for the different types of content. So we have blog posts, videos, freebies. I have it open here. Facebook responses, sales emails, um, different things like that, freebies, PDFs, course videos. We even have like our full courses for everything that we do. So everything is findable from one place. Um, And that also helps if I'm doing a summit with someone or I'm doing a collaboration with someone, I'm not needing to create things from scratch. I'm able to go in and be like, what is our topic? Okay, here I go. I have a bunch of resources already created. So it saves some time there. The next integral piece of setting up a content bank is then using Trello's category tags. Um, I think they're called tags in Trello. And just putting your categories there so you can find things, right? So for me, I have content strategy, content systems, content inspiration, offers, sales funnels, launches. And so in addition to making sure that the card is in the right column for the type of content it is, also assigning a tag to it so that if I need to find something on sales funnels, I'm able to filter that and find every piece of content regardless of what format it is around that. And it used to be something where I would add to it every day. Now I'm fortunate to have a team helping me. And so Leanne will go in and she will add everything once a month to our content bank to make sure it stays up to date. 
Ooh, I like that. I'm geeking out over that. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on, you know, let's say that someone is just starting, right? Someone that's listening, they want to start a blog or YouTube, whatever their platform is. Mm -hmm. Should they just stick to one platform and for how long? Or, you know, from the beginning, should you be repurposing your content across different platforms if you're just starting to produce consistent content? Yeah, I think, you know, when you introduce this topic of content, it is so overwhelming. It is so big. It can mean anything, right? So when you're first starting out, I think that there's a couple of really key pieces. Number one is figuring out what your MVO is. So what is your minimum viable output? So not trying to be everywhere, not trying to be on all the platforms, not trying to get all fancy with repurposing, although there's huge potential there. Just start as simple as you can. And once you're able to maintain that, then you can add on other things. So I'm a huge fan of, I call it the ease framework. And this is for anyone who is either just starting out with content or anyone who finds they're overwhelmed with content and needs to kind of reset every now and then. Um, So the ease framework is four different platforms that you should have in your content strategy. And they're really, you know, get it down to just these four. And then once you have those nailed, once that feels really easy, then you can start adding on other platforms. I mean, I say you can, you can do whatever you want. That's the beauty of this business. You can do whatever you want. But if you're finding yourself overwhelmed, this might be one path to take. So basically you want um, one platform for educating people. So this is usually your blog. So even if you're doing, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a written blog, but it can be. It can be a video. It can be a podcast like this one. Um, But whatever you're using to educate people, and hopefully that is hosted on your own website. So you're driving people to your website, giving them a reason to come back and hopefully mosey on over to that work with me page or to your shop page. Then you want to make sure that you have a platform for attracting new people. So how are you getting in front of a new audience? So this can be anything from Pinterest to Facebook ads. It could be doing guesting like podcast interviews or summits, stuff like that. Um, But how are you getting your stuff and your content in front of people who don't already know about you? How are you attracting a new audience? Then we have the sell platform. So how are you selling to people who are already in your community and in your vicinity, right? So this could be your shop page. This could be retargeting ads. This can be, you know, for most of my clients and what I teach in my course and in, you know, my agency side of things is sales funnels, because I find that email is the number one highest converting sales mechanism for me, but it can be anything, right? So a sales sell platform and then an engage platform. So where are you having those conversations? Where are you actually engaging with people? It's not necessarily a traffic driver, but it's a way for you to start as we talk, getting inspired and answering those questions and figuring out what those questions that people are ask, even asking, right? So that could be Instagram. I see it be Facebook groups for some people. So just making sure you have all those four bases covered, but starting really small. And that's not necessarily advice just for new people starting out with content, but also anyone who needs a reset and is feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Oh my God, I love that. I just took notes and I love a good acronym. So mm-hmm. I, I love that it's the ease framework. And you guys, anything that Haley mentions, like she just mentioned her course, we're going to link that in the show notes. So definitely check it out. That was mind blowing. So simple and so good at the same time. I feel like when you were talking about this, I feel like a lot of our listeners might be listening and be like, oh my gosh, I do all of those four things under one platform, for example, Instagram. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it can totally work. But I and, and you know, starting simpler is always better. So if you find that you are 
just make sure that it's being effective for all of those things. Is it a great way to educate people? Is it a great way to attract, to sell and engage? And then the only piece that you might want to really separate out there is the educate piece. So like I mentioned, there's definitely a reason, you know, algorithms seem like they're changing every single week or Instagram and Facebook are down, right? Um, So there is a huge advantage to making sure you are starting to build up your traffic on your own website right? So the educate piece is a great one to have through a blog, whether you're embedding a YouTube video, whether you're creating a blog post around your podcast episode like you ladies do, or it's a written blog. So the educate piece is the one piece where if you are doing them under all all four of these under one platform, I might encourage you to start stepping outside of that and starting to get some traffic back to your own website instead of driving everything to Instagram. Yes, I 100% agree. It's crazy to me because I actually know a ton of small businesses or creative businesses that only have an Instagram, like they don't have a website, they don't have a newsletter. And I I think it's because maybe they're doing it on the side. And, you know, everybody comes from a different place. But I agree with you when you are able to and as quickly as possible to transitioning out and not having all your eggs in one basket. I completely agree with you, Haley. Okay, so when it comes to idea aspect and like the content creation aspect, I know you mentioned the ease framework and the four different types. So would you recommend like writing those down in separate pieces of paper and writing out like ideas for each different thing or just like brain dump and then like organizing it from there? Like what are your recommendations? Yeah, so I actually kind of do the same thing as you, Diana. I have a, it's not a note in my phone, but it is um, a Google Doc called my writing doc, writing ideas. And I just kind of track ideas as I go and I add to them. And whenever I have to create a new topic or a new piece of content, I'm able to go back to that writing ideas document and not start from scratch, right? I think the worst thing is when you are sitting in front of a blank page with a cursor and you can't come up with anything. So I think really making a habit to track and keep that inspiration somewhere that it's easily findable and usable so that you're not having to start from scratch. So as much as you can leave breadcrumbs for yourself, you'll be all the better for it. Ooh, I really like that. So speaking of not starting from scratch, do you have like kind of like the idea of like a canned response in an email? Do you have like a template for yourself when you're writing content, especially if you're in a play? I don't know if you ever get you know, writer's block or creative blocks. It sounds like you're like full of content all the time. But if you are in that place, like do you how do you make it easier for yourself? I teach a batching method. And I think you can even use it bespoke. But one of the tools that we use is kind of a blog post outliner. And so I think that as much as you can start with your outline and frame all of your subheaders as questions. Um, So I will write a blog post in like 20 minutes now, right? So I have the main topic, Then I break it down, like, what does this post have to achieve? Or what does this post have to answer in order to, you know, answer that main question up top? And then I come up with like four to five questions that I then restructure into my subheaders. Um, And I just like I spend like I put on a five minute timer that I love I love a good timer, even if it's like fake urgency. And I just answer that question for five minutes. Then I come back to it, like usually I'll do this throughout my day, it's like call it my margins task, and I will, you know, be working on something I work in Pomodoro's. And so every 25 minute one, I answer one of the questions in my blog post. And then by the end, you're done that free writing, you're able to like edit that and turn it into a blog post pretty simply and easily. I hope I answered the question. I don't know. That's where I went with it. Oh my gosh. Yes. I love it. Like Joyce already knows you're speaking my love language right now. So I'm just like (laughs) hands raised, hallelujah moments. 
So do you then start with the title first? Like, do you know, before, do you come up with a body first? Like, do you have an order? So I come up with the topic. I, it's not necessarily the title that I end up with, because I think that a title is hard to come up with, right? And I use um, the co-schedule headline analyzer. It's a great free tool to come up with some good headlines for your blog post. Um, but generally, I start with a working title or question that I'm answering. For instance, say it's something like, you know, how to build a sales funnel for creative entrepreneurs, right? Um, how to build a sales funnel for Etsy shops, that sort of thing. And then I think of like, what are the components of building a funnel for an Etsy shop, right? And I would come up with those sub points or those questions that I want the post to answer. And then I'll spend those five minute kind of writing blocks answering each of those questions. And then the final step is that editing and piecing everything together. So instead of writing a blog post all the way through, I'm like Franken, I'm like Frankenstein's creator, kind of like piecing them all together, piecing those questions together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, Haley, yeah, you mentioned sense. something earlier where, you know, you were thinking of what do you want to achieve with each blog, right? Yeah. And maybe that ends in a CTA at the end of every, or not just blog, but like any piece of content that you create. So what are your like tips there when it comes to having a CTA? Should it always lead to some kind of like booking or call or connection? Should there always be a call to action at the end of every piece of content that someone produces? Like what are some of those CTAs? Yeah, I think it depends like going back to the ease framework, as well as the platform that you're using the CTA that you should be using will naturally lend itself, right? If you are, you know, on your engage platform, your CTA might be answer a question, right? Because if engagement is the name of the game on that platform, you want to start conversations and you want to start having people engage back with you and creating that two-way conversation. Now, if it's sell, that also becomes really obvious too, right? Where you're driving people to your offer or your product. Um, Attract could be, you know, come over to my website and get on my email list. Here's my great freebie. Educate as well, especially if you're using something like Pinterest or Facebook to promote and drive traffic to your blog post you know, it probably would be a free opt-in or something to get them on your email list, depending on what that sell platform is. So all of them work together, but the CTAs that naturally fit each of the platforms in that ease framework, you know, they'll become fairly obvious to you when you think of like engage, I want people to answer back to me. So I think if you do a bit of brainstorming around those constraints, right, you'll be able to come up with what those are. Should now CTAs I just want like- to make a list of all the... <laughs> all the ways that people can engage in CTAs and whatnot. Yeah, <laughs> what do you say, Diana? Yeah, I was going to say, do CTAs, like, should they all point to each other, all the different platforms? Like, what are your thoughts about that? Not necessarily, right? So for mm-hmm. instance, even if your sell platform, you're driving people to a sales page, right? You know, it won't always be the same thing. It depends on what the offer is. Say, it, yeah, it depends on where your point of sale there is. It depends on where your point of opt-in is, right? That won't necessarily be your attract platform or your educate platform. It might be an opt-in page. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Okay. So I do want to go into, I guess, the monetary side of creating content. Um, And I actually have two questions that I want to ask you, and they're both opposing questions. So I guess I'll ask both to you, and then you can answer whichever one you want to answer first. But the first question is, does a piece of content have to lead to sales? And then the second question, the opposite question is, how can a piece of content lead to sales? Because I feel like we probably have an audience that has probably feel both ways. I mean, I definitely do too. Um, So I wanted to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, so... That's a great question. And I get it a lot as somebody who builds sales funnels for people as well as teaches people how to create sales funnels. 
So I think that it depends on the customer journey that you're creating and being really intentional about that. And it's not always a matter of like, if you come across me 30 seconds ago, I'm not necessarily going to be like, buy my course, buy my course, right? So making sure that you are nurturing people where they're at in that customer journey with you. Not every piece of content needs to lead to a sale is basically the very long answer of answering that one. And then the second piece is how does a content, how does a piece of content lead to a sale? So I'm a big believer in serving first and asking later a little bit of the Gary Vaynerchuk um, jab, jab, hook, right? The give, give, ask. Um, So I think if you can create a journey, like I mentioned, go back to that, make sure that you're solving a problem where your free content maybe helps them. So your blog post might help them go from A to B. Your opt-in might help them go from B to C in that journey. And then your paid offers is like C to D to E to F, right? Um, So I think just making sure you're intentional about the journey, making sure that your offer is the natural next step. I'm a big believer in having some kind of freebie, getting them on my email list, um, nurturing them with my content, showing that I am really the person to help solve their problems when it comes to sales funnels, when it comes to automating and creating replicatable sales systems you know, then I go into the sales emails piece of it. But it really depends on what your business is and what your offer is. Everyone's customer journey and that sales journey is going to look a little bit different. Yeah, that that's a really good answer. I love how you mentioned the Gary V, like jab, jab. What was it? You said jab, 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 hook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hook, hook. Yes. Oh, that's okay. That's good. <laughs> that's a good one. It's a book. We will link it in the show notes. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like I've been hearing it all, like all the time, like his strategy, but I haven't really got into Gary Vee, but you can't ignore his name anywhere you go. <laughs> I want to also do like a flip side because this is kind of like my personal struggle. Um, and I don't want to like take up too much time on that. But if someone doesn't have like an end goal, do you think it's still okay to create content if you are passionate about it? Yeah. Or do you think that I should stop creating content and then come up with my bigger vision first? Like, what are your thoughts? Not at all. I think there are two types of content creators out there, right? There are bloggers who create content for content's sake, and their whole end goal is to build their audience as big as they can. They might do affiliate offers, they might do something down the road, but they don't necessarily have a business, right? They don't necessarily have an offer that they're driving people towards. Versus if you are a business owner using content in order to build your business or build your creative practice, where you do have an end goal, it's always product and offer first. Mm, That's really good. Can someone be both? (laughs) I think so. Well, do you have an offer that you lead people towards? Yes, I do. So I have two separate ones. So I have an offer that I sell to my clients, Mm -hmm. and but the, the content that I want to create and then I have been creating is for people more like me. But I don't, I can't, I don't have anything to sell them. So I was wondering kind of like how, if I can do both. You can totally do both, but you might separate it out, right? Mm -hmm. That might be more of the blog and more of the education piece of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But you would want a suite of content specifically for the customers that you are growing and attracting your audience in order Mm -hmm. to convert people into. So I think that you can have both, but I would question whether they should be separate or not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, definitely lots to think about. I love that, like segmenting your list or segment or having different buckets for different audiences. Totally. totally. Yeah, I feel like a lot of um, creatives like calligraphers or um, artists I probably have that similar 
feeling because they have their clients who are not creatives, right? But then they also want to serve other creatives. So I guess that's why I wanted to ask because I think a lot of our listeners probably are in a similar place too. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of like I was talking about that customer journey you would have a different customer journey for both people, right? So the people who are maybe following you to get calligraphy tips, your end goal for them might be is is obviously very different from say your, you know, wedding couples who are hiring you to make their invitations. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important too, like what Haley is saying, everybody that you have to have a little bit of strategy, like and not like, oh, I'm creating this piece of content to book all the sales calls and book all the clients. (laughs) But you want to have a strategy of like, okay, this is purely educational, or I'm doing that because I want to grow my audience with this type of client. So this piece would really educate them. And I draw those kind of people into my circle, right? Like that is your intention there. That was a little confusing, but you know what I mean. So you you need to not just create for the sake of creating if you're going to use this, you know, if you're going to use content creation for your business, but there should be some kind of end goal there doesn't necessarily have to be like to jump on a sales call, but just have a little bit of a journey, like keep the journey in mind. Definitely. I think for both sides. So I think for whether you are creating for content sake, like a blogger or creating content as a business owner to sell something like for both parties, how can someone be consistent when it comes to creating new pieces of content, especially if they're doing it like frequently? Yeah. So I think like it goes back to those three, well, I can think of three things to kind of say about this. Number one is like to reiterate, figure out what that MVO is for you. What is that minimum viable output? So I think so often as creative entrepreneurs, we come into things and we are creative and we have ideas and we don't like constraints. We want to do everything. We want to do it all. But when it comes to content creation, it is so much better to start small and add on, get your systems in place, get your workflows in place, get customized to what you're doing, right? Before you start adding on other platforms. So start as small as you can, figure out what that minimum viable output is, nail that for a month or two before adding on something else. Then kind of related to that is don't try to be everywhere. So revisiting that ease framework, making sure you're choosing your educate, attract, sell, engage platforms and keeping it capped at that again until you really nail that and can add something else. And then the final piece, something that I haven't touched on yet. um, And as a creative entrepreneur, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably have the struggle where you have the best intentions and you want to do all the things and you are maybe loving to learn and learn about content strategy and marketing and all the things about business. But you are, you know, maybe finding yourself falling into that trap of shoulds, right? And falling into that trap of trying to force yourself to do something you hate. So maybe you hate Facebook lives, but everyone is telling you you should be doing them, right? So I actually take a different approach. I don't think that you should force yourself to do anything you hate. There are so many options out there to build your business, to market your business, to get in front of the people that you want to be working with, that there is no need to be forcing yourself to do something you hate. In fact, that's actually probably going to work against you when it comes to consistency and when it comes to getting results. Because we all know that you need to be consistent with something and you need to stay at it long enough in order to start seeing those results. And if you're trying to force yourself to do something you hate, well, you're going to be dragging your feet. You're not going to be wanting to do it. And you're not going to be showing up in a way that is going to lead to you being consistent enough to get those results. So I think it's a big, I love to just tell people to chase their joy and come up with a content strategy full of platforms and types of creating content that really feel good and curious to you. 
I love that. I love that you said chase your joy because I think that some people might get into this headspace of, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But it's your business. You can set the rules. You can break the rules. You can do what you want. And if it doesn't like bring you joy, it's very Marie Kondo. I love it. <laughs> um, you don't have to do it and do something else where, you know, find another platform that you enjoy creating content on. I love that so much, Haley. Haley, thank you so much for all of these tips. I really like typed out notes as you were writing. So I know that it was it was super helpful for me. I know it's super helpful for everyone else that's listening. So where can people find you if they want more information like on the ease framework or anything that you are doing out there? Yeah, so I, um, I blog over at yourcontentempire.com. Um, and as well, that is my social media handle on Pinterest, on Instagram, on Facebook, everything but Twitter, which I don't really use anymore. Um, so you can find me over at, at yourcontentempire.com, your, your unless you're going to the website. 